Hey everyone, this is David from Wisconsin. I'm Jack's podcast producer. I just wanted to remind you real quick that Jack has a podcast hotline. You can leave him a voicemail at 920-415-4525. All you got to do is leave your name, where you're from, roughly, and then your question or comment, whatever. Jack really does want to hear from you. Again, that number is 920-415-4525. You can also text your questions to that number or email jack at jack.hager at gmail.com. All of those contacts will be in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Hey there, it's Jack Hager. Thanks so much for tuning in to another You Know Jack the Podcast. Man, I am old. I am older than dirt. I'm so old that John 316 used to be the most common Bible verse that I knew. In other words, even though I didn't become a Christian until I was 26, after that, I recognized that everybody knew John 3.16. It was probably the most well-known verse. Not anymore. Now, people may not know the address, but I think the most well-known verse and the most often misused verse is good old Matthew 7.1. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. Whenever you say anything anywhere or post anything that could be construed to be negative, people will get out the fire and the brimstone and all the tar and feathers, and they'll say, don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Don't you know the Bible says to judge not? No, 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 no. That is not what the Bible says. Yes, it does. Matthew 7, 1 says, do not judge. So you won't be. Guess what? You're going to be judged. If you die without Christ as your Savior, you'll be judged at the great white throne, Revelation chapter 20. When the sea and the grave will give up everyone, and they will stand in front of the judgment seat of God, they will stand in front of the great white throne, and people who die without Christ will be individually tried, found guilty, and cast into what the Bible calls hell. Well, I'm a Christian, Jack. Wonderful. You and I will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, there to give an account for the works done in the body, whether they be good or bad. That's what the scripture says. By the way, when's the last time you heard a sermon about the judgment seat of Christ? That's what I thought. Now, listen to me. At the great white throne, the issue is sin. At the judgment seat of Christ, for believers, the issue is not sin, because our sin has already been judged. Where? On the cross. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live, died a substitutionary death in our place, died the death that we should have died, and then, thank God, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. So when Jesus says what we call Matthew 7, 1, He's using hyperbole. He's using a word trick to get people's attention. He says, judge not, lest you be judged. Then he says in verse 2, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you'll be measured by the same measure you use. Hmm. In other words, we're kind of writing our own judging sentence. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. 
First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to God to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. That's Matthew 6. Don't give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs. Time out. How do you know it's a dog? How do you know it's a pig? You have to judge. You have to discern. You have to, oh my goodness, think. I think it was Henry Ford who said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is no doubt why so few people engage in it. In order to live the Christian life, you need to think. You don't throw your brains away. You need to think. And you need to understand that Matthew 7, 1, out of context, is bogus. It's wacky. It does not apply. Verse 15 of chapter 7, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. You've heard the phrase fruit inspectors, sometimes that used in a good way, sometimes in a not so good way. But yeah, we are to be fruit inspectors. I need to see if your walk matches your talk. More importantly, I need to judge whether my walk matches my talk. Because after all, a talk talks and a walk talks, but a walk talks louder than a talk talks. Huh? A talk talks and a walk talks, but a walk talks louder than a talk talks. Doesn't matter what I say unless it's somewhat reflected in the way I live. Not perfection, but a striving or pursuit after holiness without which the Bible says no man shall see God. So listen to me. You are to judge. How do I know that? Because John seven twenty four, Jesus says, stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. If people would have seen me shortly after I got out of prison, I'm sure they would have thought I was not a Christian. I don't have to go into details, but when I hit the street, I didn't go back to dealing drugs, but I did go back to smoking marijuana for a little while. I did other things that I'm now ashamed of. But if I was not a Christian then, guess what? I'm not a Christian now. Isn't it amazing and sort of pathetic how much more we expect of newborn Christians than we expected of ourselves? Judging is a tough thing. Judging is a difficult thing. But we are called to judge. What are we not to judge? What is unrighteous judgment? Well, according to Jesus again, it's judging by outward appearances. He's got facial hair. He doesn't smell good. He's got an earring. She's got too much makeup. That's outward appearances. He's reading a different Bible translation than I do. He believes this about tongues. She believes that about tongues. He's a pre-tribber. She's a mid... Who cares? Do they believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do they believe that he was born of a virgin was tempted in all things, never sinned, offered himself as an atonement for our sins, was resurrected bodily from the grave, and that in order to be in relationship with God, with right relationship with God, I need to turn from sin and trust Jesus. Hey, my friends, if you get that right, you're okay. It doesn't matter what you get right. If you get Jesus wrong, 
you're in deep waters. If you get Jesus right, you might get a lot of other stuff wrong, at least for a period of time. But if you get Jesus right, you're okay. And part of that being okay means you don't judge other people unrighteously. What does unrighteous judgment look like? Well, maybe it's hard for me to describe for you. But can I tell you what works for Jack? And just because it works for Jack, it may not work for you. And certainly there's nothing sanctified about what Jack thinks or what Jack does. But this is how I try and figure out what judging righteously looks like and what judging unrighteously looks like. If it hurts me to judge, I'm pretty sure I'm okay. If I find pleasure in judging, hmm, something's wrong. I don't know if you ever read A Tale of Two Cities. If you did, you may remember Madame Lafarge sitting there with her knitting needles, judging everything. Don't want to be like that. But I kind of want to like be like I was in Vietnam judging, being aware of my surroundings, being aware, having situational awareness of where I was, who I was around, not expecting everybody to be a bad guy, but being alert to the fact that anybody could be a bad guy. Maybe that's why Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It, it referring to the word of God, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Guess what? I'm not, and you're not. I'm not able, you're not able, and you shouldn't judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, because you don't see that. That's underneath. You can't judge my motives. You can't judge what makes me tick. I'm just going to get some of you mad, probably. But take, for instance, Joel Osteen. I believe Joel Osteen teaches heresy, okay? If he teaches heresy, that makes him a heretic. You may disagree with that. It's a free country. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. But I don't know why he does it. And quite frankly, to me, the scariest thing about Joel, and by the way, I try to pray for him on a regular basis. He's got such a huge following. It would be fascinating and wonderful and exciting if he would start preaching the Bible. Oh, I know he opens up his church service with that pledge to the Bible thing. But the few times I've watched him, <laughs> he doesn't refer to it too often. And some of the things he says are extra biblical at best, heresy at worst. But I don't know why he does it. Again, to me, the scariest thing about Joel Osteen is I have a suspicion he really believes what he's shoveling. Honestly, even though I'm not supposed to judge the thoughts and intentions of their hearts, some of the people on so-called Christian television, I think they're crooks. In a couple of cases, I know they're crooks because their kids have written books about them. Oh, you're being judgmental? No, 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 no. I'm judging righteous judgment. I can't stay silent if somebody's preaching heresy. I despise the health and wealth gospel because it's not the gospel. In this world, you will have tribulation, said Jesus. Consider it all joy when, not if, you encounter various trials, said James. Exult in your tribulation, said Paul. The Christian life sometimes stinks. Trying to live for Jesus is going against the flow. Standing up and standing out for Jesus means you're standing up and standing away from many professing Christians. Listen to me. As most of you know, I hope, when you start living for the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you expect the world to hammer you. You expect the world to be against you. You don't expect to come from brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't expect it to come from your own family. But in all too many cases, that's what happens. In 40 plus years of youth ministry, I've seen more teenagers than I can recall who've made a decision for Jesus Christ and gone home trying to live their life for Jesus Christ and had cold water thrown on them by their Christian parents, by their parent who happens to be a pastor. All too often, when you want to pursue holiness, when you want to present your body as a living sacrifice, when you want to consider it all joy and exult in your tribulation, when you're willing to lay down your life for Christ and present yourselves as a living sacrifice, other professing Christians are going to come after you. That's why it's best to live your life for the audience of one. If you have the smile of God, you will have the frown of the enemy. I believe it was a black singer that used to sing for Billy Graham. I can't think of her name right now. But she said, honey, once you figure out how much you matter to God, it doesn't matter what other people think. Once you figure out how much you matter to God, you don't have to try to prove to other people how much you matter. I wish I could think of her name right now. I can't. But she's got it. She nailed it. Live your life for Jesus and judge righteous judgment. How do you do that? You soak yourself in the word of God. First Jack 1.8 says, unless and until you develop a regular intake of the word of God, the most you can ever hope to be is a typical Christian. And friend, we don't need any more of them. You've got to saturate yourself in the wisdom of God that comes from the living, spirit-energized word of God. The Holy Spirit is our lens with which we can discern what the Bible says. We don't worship the Bible. We worship God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us into truth. And that truth is found in the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Saturate yourself with the Word. Read good Christian books. Every time I see a Christian, the so-called Christian shelf in Sam's Club or Walmart or someplace and some Christian bookstores, I want to go through with a garbage bag and pull some of that garbage off. Be discerning. Just because it says Christian, don't make it Christian. There's a lot of garbage being published by so-called Christian publishing houses that smells like smoke because it's authored in the pits of hell. Be discerning. If you need help on that, talk to your pastor. Get in touch with me. I can recommend some really, really good books. But you don't really need the really, really good books. Those are great for dessert, but the main course needs to be the Bible. Find a way that takes you through the Bible every year. Maybe tackle Colossians and read the book of Colossians once a day for 30 days. You need to be armed up, suited up for battle. And that ammunition comes from the Word of God. Pay attention to your pastor. Take notes. I used to live in New York, and I worked for the Family Life Network, as among other things. And every now and then, we run, and it's a great radio station. Not Family Life, I'm nothing against Family Life, the network, but Family Life Network, headquartered in Bath, New York, and with stations and translators all over New York and Pennsylvania and the World Wide Web. They're a great radio station. They play great music. They have some great teaching. But I'd occasionally bump into people, well, not occasionally, too often. Oh, I listen to the radio station 24 hours. Shut up. 
you might get a little bit confused. Pick one or two teachers that you really enjoy and listen to them and get their study guides and work through it. And don't just blow by when they refer to a passage. Look it up for yourself and read it. But most importantly, feast on the word. And you'll learn that judge not, lets you be judged, is taken out of context. Need to learn context. Read the rest of Matthew 7, you realize that Matthew 1 in and of itself isn't true. Yeah, Jesus said it, but he said it for a purpose. And that purpose was to get the audience's attention, to get your attention, to get my attention. And then by reading the rest of the chapter and by mixing it in with the rest of what we know about the Word of God, we understand what it means. We have to judge. We have to discern. We have to examine. We have to think. Anyway, I just want to challenge you not to just take stuff at face value. And not to buy into something that everybody says. Don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Judge righteous judgment. If it hurts you to judge, you're probably okay. If you find pleasure in judging, eh, you're probably wacky. Okay? And we all get that way sometimes. But fix your eyes on Jesus. Bathe yourselves in the word. Let us learn what it is to be men and women of prayer. Be involved in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Notice, I didn't say go to. I said be involved. Don't be a Sunday morning groupie. Be all in. Don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, as the manner of some is. But get together. I don't care if it's a house church or a... I don't care what kind of church it is. But whenever possible, physically get together. Be there. Worship together. Pray together. Learn together. Church... It's his church. It's not yours. But amazingly, he provides it for us, at least in America, to have freedom of worship. Can't help but think to those who much has been given, much will be required. We've been given much, much, much. So getting back to what we started with, Matthew 7, 1, judge not, uh uh-huh. Read the rest of the chapter. Judge righteous judgment. And learn from Matthew 7, 1, that you can cut and paste the Bible to say just about everything you want it to say. Learn the importance of context. Read the Bible however you read it, verse by verse. Don't just take a verse here, here a verse, there a verse, everywhere a verse, verse. Take them in context. Read it in context. Book by book, line by line. Whatever it takes. Excuses are like elbows. Everybody's got a couple. Assuming you have a skill of reading, use that skill. If you have difficulty reading, there's all kinds of programs, all kinds of apps, free ones, where you can have it read to you. But in this country, we have access to the Word. I believe if every Bible in this country was picked up at the same time, we'd all suffocate under the dust. But whether you read online, whether you read on your phone, or what I consider to be best, a tangible, physical Bible, read it. Well, what translation should I read it? What, what? Don't get all caught up in the, the, the procedure. Just do it. Find a Bible that you understand and read it. Obviously, there's some Bibles you shouldn't read. I'm not going to recommend the Mormon Bible. I'm not going to recommend the message. I'm not going to throw stones at it because the message doesn't proclaim to be a translation. It's a paraphrase. I think the message is fun to read on the side. What are my favorite translations, you ask? I'm currently reading the Christian Standard Bible. For years, I used the ESV, the English Standard. When I went to Bible school, the Bible was the New American Standard. 
Uh, up until 1984, the NIV was good. I'd be careful about an NIV with a post-1984 copyright on it. There's other good translations. The New King James. The King James, if you can understand it. No, the King Jimmy is not the only Bible. But the King James is good if you can understand it. It's kind of majestic. It's kind of cool. It's easy to memorize. But find a translation that works for you. Hunt around a little bit. Ask other people for advice. But most importantly, pick it up and read it. And read it in context. Because if you don't read it, you're not going to succeed. Oh, Jack, you're being judgmental. Uh-huh. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hey, I appreciate you tuning into these. I'd be honored if you'd get in touch with me somehow with either your gripes or your complaints or your arguments or even a word of thanks once in a while or a word of praise. And I'd be real indebted to you if you'd kind of share this on your own Facebook page, on your other social media, if you'd recommend your friends would listen. Obviously, if you think it stinks, don't recommend it. But if you think it might help people, recommend it. Nothing better than word of mouth. I would be deeply appreciative. Anything I can pray with you about, get in touch with me. I'd be honored to be able to pray with you and for you. For right now, though, this is Jack Hager tuning out so you can tune in to Jesus. Bye-bye.